HRN listeners. As we celebrate our 15th year, we are deepening our commitment to giving voice to the next generation of food system storytellers, and we need your help. Our internship and fellowship programs help activate new possibilities for underrepresented and underestimated young people through experiential journalism, audio engineering, and production training. Through these unique programs, HRN helps food equity stewards build essential workforce readiness skills that expand their potential and foster economic mobility. Please consider supporting these critical programs. And with a minimum donation, you can be entered to win a dinner for two at an amazing restaurant in one of eight cities and tickets to a concert at a great venue in one of those cities. We have incredible partners across the country who have donated as they also share our passion for helping to educate the next generation of food system storytellers. Check out heritageradionetwork.org 15 to donate and enter to win today. That's heritageradionetwork.org 15 to donate and enter to win today. And make sure you donate before March 31st. Thank you. Today's program has been brought to you by Kane Vineyard and Winery, a Napa Valley winery committed to respecting the soil and dedicated to the creation of three Cabernet blends. For more information, visit Kane5.com. Good morning. You're listening to In the Drink on HeritageRadioNetwork.org. I'm your host, Joe Campanelli, and today I'm here with a Chicago native, uh, the wine director of the several Michelin-starred L2O restaurant. Uh, his name is Richard Hanauer. Richard, great to have you here today. Good morning. It's a, it's a pleasure to be on. All right. Well, well welcome. Um, I, I'm, I'm really excited to have you on. Uh, we, we have not had anyone from Chicago, and, and Chicago is without a doubt, one of the, the hubs of the uh, American food scene. Um, great restaurants, incredible wine programs, just a, just a huge, uh, I think, just a huge center for people who are interested not only in, in wine service, but in, in education. There's a lot of people I know out there who are studying for, um, for several uh, you know, wine degrees, um, so I'm I'm really happy that that you're on, and I want to hear I want you to share with us a little bit about about everything that's going on in Chicago. But first, let's get started with uh, let's talk about you a little bit. Uh, tell us a little bit about how you got into the the restaurant industry. Well, um, you know, growing up in Chicago, it's a, impossible to escape uh, great restaurants all your life. If you're willing to leave your house, you're inevitably going to end up uh, going to a multitude of great dining destinations. Um, and uh, like many of my predecessors and uh, many of my successors to come, I left Syracuse University with an English degree. And uh, upon coming back to uh, Chicago, it was really difficult to find some work um, that uh, was really interesting and uh, fair pay, and I uh, fell back into the service industry and uh, immediately uh, found my calling in in life and uh, really loved the passion of taking care of people um, and I was uh, really raised um, with wine being an important part of uh, every dinner. Um, and that started at the house at a very young age. Uh, my father built a uh, deep, passionate cellar that he was eager to share with us and eager to, to educate with us. And uh, without knowing it, I took that, that already working nine, uh, wine knowledge and got to apply it to my guests at a very early age, uh, very early starts of my career, excuse me. 
and then uh, immediately decided I wanted to take this to the next level and started uh, studying more and working with more mentors and uh, working with many great chefs and uh, uh, humbly very excited to uh, be where I am now in my career and uh, working with Matthew Kirkley at L2O and uh, the beautiful list that we've got going right now. And I, I couldn't be couldn't be any happier. So you're a kid at the dinner table, and your your parents are drinking about wine and talking about it, and uh, your dad would slip you a sip. Is that kind of how it happened? You know, uh, to, in his defense, I don't know if uh, a sip would be the right word, um, but it was always uh, always approached from this very educational, passionate um, um, background. Uh, my mother, and I will say this till the. My, my last meal is the, the finest cook I'll ever have the pleasure of dining with. And uh, every meal that she made was intricate and well thought out and fresh and, more importantly, delicious. And uh, my father would come home, uh, kind of see what was going on in the kitchen, talk to my mom about it, and he would go downstairs and select a wine. This was a, a nightly ritual. And uh, the one thing that, um, uh, looking back, that I really... Uh, focus on is I never saw my dad drink the same bottle twice. Um, he always wanted to taste something new, and he wanted to share that. Um, and sometimes as a nine-year-old, you're more interested with what your brothers are doing. And sometimes as a, a nine-year-old, Merlot is going to stick in your head as one of the grapes of Bordeaux. Uh, but he was so eager and so passionate to share with us, um, as was my mom with the flavors. Um, so it's this beautiful... Um, uh, marriage uh, at the dinner table, and if I can say uh, beautiful marriage as well, uh, that just gave us, me and all of my uh, brothers, this incredible uh, food and wine background that was just this great foundation for me to build a professional career on. So you, so you get back to Chicago after uh, after college, not thinking that you're going to go into the food and wine industry, but did you, you kind of just fell into it. Is that correct? I um, I fell into it. Um, I was searching for a job for um, you know six months maybe, uh, and then eventually I had to uh, I had to pay rent. Um, and the uh, the best job I could get at the time was a a lunch server at a uh, a steakhouse in the West Loop, very close to our United Center where the Chicago Bulls play, Chicago Blackhawks. And um, there was uh, I remember putting on the apron and the suspenders and the armbands and the the pens and uh, the the, uh, the uh, computer card on a, an elastic string, and I thought I was going to be really embarrassed. I thought that um, this was uh, a letdown to me, and uh, until I approached my first table, and nothing could stop the smile that came on my face. Um, I really enjoyed uh, taking care of people, um, and that would develop into a passion, both personally and professionally, and. Um, Wine um, really kind of rode the parallel track at the same time. I became just more and more passionate about it. And all I wanted to do was to share my education. Um, my friends weren't terribly uh, interested at the time, uh, but my guests were. Um, and so all of my hours of studying um, got projected to the, uh, the tables in the dining room. So was there a, a, a manager or a wine director, a sommelier, who you, were, who you were talking to who was working at the restaurant, or was this a lot of just self-study and, and your experiences based on your childhood? You know, this, um, this actually it started. It would just be just the opposite. Uh, there was a, a chef at the time, and I was, um, I was 22 years old, and I was getting into uh, 
reading my first couple of wine books, and he told me, there's no way you could be a sommelier. Uh, at that point, to me, it was, okay, I'm going to prove you wrong. And, uh, you know, it goes back to the, the family dinner table. Um, when I told my family about my passion, um, I didn't know it was going to be my, my career at the time. Um, they said, great, let's do this. Uh, it was unlimited access to, uh, to bottles, unlimited access to uh, wine ordering uh, at uh, in dining room tables. Um, if I was going to be interested in wine, my family was going to fully support me. And it was uh, actually at the next restaurant I moved on to, um, I knew I wanted to, uh, after loving the steakhouse, I wanted to go a little bit further, a little bit finer into dining, and I ended up at a, a restaurant that's now closed, unfortunately, uh, in uh, 160 Blue uh, that had a, a brilliant chef, still a Chicagoan, and uh, Marcel Nugier. And he was the first one to really show me that uh, fine wine and fine, wo- uh, fine food uh, is uh, a necessity. Um, they, you know... Um, they really belong together at the at the highest level, um, and that there is uh, such a, a variety of options um, for guests uh, to enjoy uh, flavor-wise when combining wine into their chosen food menu. Well, now, now this is uh, an interesting topic that you've. Uh you kind of broached here because uh, I think one, one of my favorite pairings is the old champagne and fried chicken pairing. So you have kind of, you know, uh, humble food with a very, very high-end wine. Um, how, what, are, what are your thoughts on but maybe the opposite? If you have very, very fine food but a, a super simple, straightforward wine, you really feel that you have to have the finest together and they need to complement each other on that level? You know, I, th- I think there's a, a yes and a no there. Um, uh, on a personal note, I have to tell you, I have a, uh, a, a horrible fascination with, uh, with fried chicken. Uh, and being a Chicagoan, um, that is a staple of growing up, uh, especially growing up on the south side. Um, um, that was a, uh, a big part of the diet. Um, and one of the, the really humbling parts about um, wines from smaller appellations, um, lesser-known grapes, and I immediately think to... Um, Central Italy. Um, these are wines that aren't terribly um, luxurious in the glass, and they're very approachable at the price point. And you don't collect these wines, you don't build your cellar upon them. But what they're able to do with food, with a little bit less going on in the glass, sometimes it's a much more natural pairing. Um, there are times when um, my chef, uh, Matthew Kirkley, will present a dish. Um, where the dish has less ingredients and I can do a more complicated wine, and sometimes it's the inverse. Um, sometimes the food um, really calls for a wine of simple flavors to make a really pleasurable marriage. Um, and I, there's nothing like doing a great bottle of wine at a dinner table, especially in a dining room. It feels great. You're excited for it. You're passionate about it. But we can't ever ignore the, the little guys, the underdogs, the, the weekday whites, as I like to call them. They're fantastic with the food if you're going to really know exactly the, the, the anatomy of the glass and what it's going to offer to the, uh, the, the, uh, the plate on the table. 
No, uh, before you got to uh, L2O, I have a, a note here that you uh, you actually had the opportunity to serve high tea to the Queen of England. Can you tell us about that experience? Yeah, that was a, that was a, that was a fun one. Um, I never saw that coming. Um, again, this uh, my uh, my family, my mother, um, displaying this heightened hospitality. Um, uh, it was no surprise that myself and one of my other brothers, uh, Jeff, actually. Uh, got into hospitality as well. And he ended up working on a more corporate level um, and was working down at uh, Churchill Downs. And uh, Churchill Downs is a wonderful racetrack, uh, home to the Kentucky Derby um, in uh, Louisville, Kentucky. Um, what most people don't know is that this institution of American sports is only open uh, for about six weeks a year. And you can imagine... Um, um, the staff, albeit passionate, can't terribly be polished on six weeks a year um, in, uh, in, in service experience. And I got a call uh, from one of uh, my brother's uh, partners uh, several years ago, and he said that they had a uh, VIP guest uh, coming down to attend the Kentucky Derby, um, and would I come, you know, fly down and take care of them. And it was a very shady phone call at the time because I wouldn't say who it was, and I was, you know, scratching my head and, um, they made a financial offer, and I stopped scratching my head and put a smile on my face and got on a plane. And uh, the day before, they said, do you know anything about serving fine tea? And I, I had experience with it before, and they said, great, Queen of England's coming to the Derby this wow. year. You're going you, to be taking care of her tomorrow. And I honor my guests uh, like nothing else. They are um, uh, the reason that we go to work every day. It is not a selfish profession. We do this to take care of other people. Um, but to this day, and I've had the pleasure of taking care of lots of celebrities, uh, lots of important people, I will never forget walking into the room she was at at Churchill Downs. You, after passing a variety of security clearances, you stepped foot into that room, and it was, without even seeing her clear, there was someone of grand importance in this room. And just being in her proximity, um, just this reflection of grace um, and uh, nobility. And um, she's actually a, a very sweet, sweet, sweet lady. And, a, and just like anyone else, just a, a real pleasure to take care of. Um, and it was, it was a great experience that I will carry with me for the, the rest of my life. Um, and just so... Um, uh, so much fun um, to serve uh, uh, tea to someone who is so passionate and uh, so well known. Um, but at the end of the day, um, very gracious and humble guest. Does she do the old uh, the the milk and honey in the tea? Um, it's funny. She um, she added just a little bit of milk. There was no honey. It was uh, an English Earl Grey. It was served in the. In a, in a traditional um, uh, English style, and uh, I think, or actually, I should say, I don't think that my tea skills were up to her palate. <laughs> yeah, I, I um, bet she gets. She <laughs> drinks tea from time to time, huh? Yeah, uh, she might have had a glass or two in her day. Uh, she had one sip, and that was her only sip. Oh. Um, it didn't matter to me. I was grinning ear to ear. Okay, so uh, at at the uh, ripe old age of twenty five. Uh, 
you uh, you actually got a job at True Restaurant, which is uh, one of the, the nation's great wine lists. Um, uh, tell us a little bit about your time over there. Um, I remember applying to True, um, and when I applied, there was no way I could get this job. I didn't know enough. I didn't have enough experience. Um, but with how excited I was about wine, I owed it to myself to apply. I sat down for an interview um, with a uh, gentleman, Chad Ellegood, who was the wine director at the time. Uh, now he is at uh, the Park Hyatt in Chicago, uh, a lifetime uh, mentor, um, someone that uh, I've already spoken to twice today on the phone, um, and a dear, dear, dear friend. Um, and I still to this day think that it wasn't the smartest decision to hire me, um, but after an hour of an interview, um, he called me back several days later uh, and offered me the, uh, the position. And he spent the next three years kicking me in the shins um, and really teaching me the, the fine etiquette of service um, and a really different way to approach, uh, to approach wine. Um, Chad and I uh, worked together for three years um, in uh, a list um, that was just gorgeous. His, his ability to uh, procure old bottles and treasured bottles and great flavors. And uh, Jennifer Teach today is doing an incredible job uh, keeping up the momentum he built. I think the list has never been better. Uh, but when Chad and I worked together, he, he gave me this new insight into wine. Um, it's so easy to, to think of a, a wine as a, a sense of place, uh, which it really is. Uh, as sommeliers, we love playing the terroir card, uh, that a grape from a region, from a vintage, is going to produce this kind of flavor. Um, and what Chad and I uh, spent so much studying to do was taking wine into the fourth dimension, into the time dimension, seeing how uh, these wines performed over time, seeing the flavors that developed in the bottle, seeing the reliability of, uh, of the terroir and producing these flavors as they move forward. And that was really the, um, the most flattering part from an educational standpoint, was getting to see uh, wine throughout time, um, and that every vintage was just one mark in time. It's got its place here in the dining room. Uh, some vintages will last for decades, some just for years. Um, some shouldn't be listed. Um, but that was uh, also while working with uh, two great chefs, uh, Tim Graham and uh, eventually Anthony Martin, who... Uh, both allowed us to passionately chase down our dreams. Uh, Anthony is still there today, and the food is, is just through the roof uh, and very wine-friendly. And uh, one of the great parts about True is it's, it's this great stage of hospitality. It is one of the most beautiful, elegant dining rooms uh, you'll ever be in. Um, but it's, uh, it's, it's not a dark room. Um, every detail is there. It's in full fruition. Uh, and just a great place to go to work. And um, I started getting offers to leave. Um, you know, once you have true sommelier on your resume, um, you become a hot commodity or a hotter commodity, I should say. And I couldn't leave Elegant. It was too educational at the time. We were learning too much and drinking too good of wines. And I knew just by staying um, and working with him and letting him push me down professionally so I could build myself back up, that was really the best idea for me in the long haul. 
So you're saying this was a positive experience. <laughs> I'm just kidding. Um, well, speaking about uh, time, we are going to take just a short break. And when we get back, we're going to talk to you about L2O. Very excited. Thank you. This is Chris Howell from Cane Vineyard and Winery, calling in from Spring Mountain above the Napa Valley. Thank you for listening to this show. In our industrial world of highly processed food and wine, we support the values of Heritage Radio Network. All of us at Cane encourage you to seek out individuality and beauty in everything you eat and drink. To learn more about us, go to Cane5.com. And we're back with Richard Hanauer, the wine director for L2O Restaurant, Michelin starred L2O Restaurant um, in Chicago. And uh, Richard, talk to us a little bit about about L2O. Um, you seem to be completely uh, enamored with the, with the cuisine at your restaurant. So talk to us about the cuisine and then how the cuisine informs the wine selections on your list. So the, uh, the cuisine is, uh, it, it comes from uh, Chef Matthew Kirkley. Um, uh, chef um, is incredibly talented and incredibly dedicated, very creative. Um, but the chef also, uh, what I admire most in him is the, his dedication uh, to excellence and consistency. Um, a good plate can't start without a great ingredient. Um, he has uh, really revolutionized uh, a way of serving seafood in Chicago, um, using different purveyors, uh, giving uh, merchants in Lisbon a DHL account. Uh, he created his own um, uh, shellfish tank aquariums, and uh, that's just the beginning. That's just the source of the ingredient. Um, you know, uh, for Chicago to serve uh, local seafood, we would have a 10-course tasting menu uh, based off whitefish from Lake Michigan. Um, and that is uh, not what uh, the restaurant is about. So it really begins with Kirkley uh, sourcing the finest ingredients uh, from all around the world, um, and that starts in the water, and the same mentality certainly uh, extends to the, uh, the other ingredients that are part of the dish and part of the menu. Um, Matthew is uh, so, uh, uh, so humble um, and would never admit to it, but this this dedication to the guest, to delivering them this great plate, um, is like nothing I've ever seen before. Um, every chef, I think, that puts out food is, uh, is going to make something great. You know, these are professional cooks at the highest level. Um, and one of the things that uh, uh, Matthew's really shed a light on to me is it's not about necessarily creating the menu, although his food is just uh, mind-boggling, beautiful to look at, and absolutely delicious. It's about when you're serving that dish two weeks later at 9 p.m., does it taste exactly the same? Does it look exactly the same as when he first plated it? Um, and if it doesn't, it won't be served. So, it's um, a very, so seafood is a big influence in terms of where the protein, but it, with, with the flavor combinations, how would you describe where the, where the flavors come from? Is it classic French? Is it, is it his own creation? Um, you know, one of the great things about Chef Kirkley is he's, uh, he's very passionate about um, French, um, French food, um, but also food from all over the world. 
Um, I would think there's a little bit more of a, a base and technique uh, in, uh, in a French style of cooking. You certainly see some sautéing. You see um, some, uh, some dishes um, that have uh, been inspired by, by great chefs, um, both from France and not from France. Um, but the, that, that classic French technique does lend itself uh, really beautifully to, um, uh, to wine. And the other thing that happens is that the chef is, will not use uh, ingredients that aren't pristine. Um, like we won't serve a wine that's not pristine. Um, so there is this, this, this unbridled marriage um, between his cuisine and the way it works with food. It's, it's really quite fascinating. Um, the, there's such a trend in, uh, in dining to be so, uh, so innovative uh, and so new, and especially in Chicago, and we really like what's new, what's fresh, what's different. Um, and putting uh, 20 ingredients on a plate with a dot of this and a dot of that and a microgreen here and a, and a swoosh there, it'll produce a, a, this beautiful plate to look at. Um, and when you take you know, all these 20 ingredients and you marry them with wine, not always the results you want. Um, and I always say that with a chef, your, your food is very complicated from a production standpoint, but the flavors are brilliant and true uh, and really end up being uh, just this elegant version of uh, seafood, and I hope, wine in Chicago. Okay, so we have a seafood restaurant in Chicago. So uh, I, I imagine that you're doing a lot of, uh, a lot of white wines. Um, does, this, does this true? Does this go throughout the whole Chicago winter? You're having all these white wines? Well, when, uh, when I was uh, asked to take over at L2O and, and to work with uh, Chef Kirk, we decided um, let's do something different. Uh, we live in a city known for steakhouses. Uh, there is no place better to come enjoy a full-bodied red wine uh, than the city of Chicago. And Matt and I looked each other at each other and said, you know what, let's, let's roll the dice. Let's build the greatest white wine collection on planet Earth. And obviously we don't have the greatest white wine collection on planet Earth, but every time we procure a bottle, that's our goal, is to really um, heighten the food's experience and in the middle of winter when nothing would be harder than a, a good Cabernet, the sweet nectar of the Napa Valley, um, the food is not calling for that. Mm-hmm. Um, we are still enjoying pouring Muscadet, Champagne, Burgundy, Sancerre, Rueda. Uh, the wines are strictly there to complement the, the cuisine. Um, I'm very passionate about wine, and there are a plethora of wines I would like on my menu, um, but I have to hit the brakes. My job is to complement the food. Um, and if I'm not complimenting the food, I'm acting in a way that's not in the guest's best interest. Yeah, I, c- I couldn't agree with that more. You know, and as a native New Yorker, I will completely give you the steakhouse nod, but you, there is no way that you're getting the pizza nod. We, we, we have pizza. We rule pizza in New York. Um, you know, if you if you like a really light, uh, airy pizza without a depth of flavor, I can appreciate that. Um, but uh, you're certainly welcome to enjoy a, a real pie anytime you're in Chicago. It'll be my treat. <laughs> well, other than the uh, 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 real pie, uh, other than the, the the pizza and the uh, the fried chicken, uh, and then the very high end, how how else would you characterize what's going on in Chicago in terms of the food scene right now? You know, um, Chicago. When I was uh, when I was when I was growing up, 
um, was all about, um, we had uh, three, uh, you know, styles of restaurants. We had the great pizza and steakhouses. Uh, and then we had um, really nice restaurants, um, the, the La Francais. Um, we had uh, Charlie Trotter's, which served great food, of course. Uh, and then what really is a memory of growing up is uh, the great ethnic foods, going, trying different nationalities where, um, much like New York, we're a big immigrant city, um, and that couldn't benefit uh, our cuisine more. And uh, really the big change, I don't know if it was based on multimedia, um, I think Michelin had a lot to influence it. Um, but instead of restaurants having um, themes or cuisine types, Chicago is going in this direction of a chef-driven restaurant. And whether or not they want to admit it, the beauty behind it, uh, chefs are very, very competitive. They want to serve the best dinner possible. And this intercompetition uh, couldn't be any more beneficial uh, to the diner. Um, and we're really starting to see um, restaurants that are passionate about the food that they serve. And then after they, they focus on the menu, then they design their dining room. Mm-hmm. Um, so the kitschy restaurant is just uh, is, is gone. What we're seeing is uh, chefs um, giving their life to put out the best food possible. Um, and that is not just at the L2Os of the world. Um, that is happening at $30 a plate or all the way up to, uh, you know, uh, a Michelin experience. You know, I know a few folks in the uh, in the wine scene out there who are doing the, the court of Master Somalia's route. Uh, I know you have the uh, the advanced uh, advanced level certification. Um, are are you are you working towards the the MS group? Do, are you are you are you doing? Are you currently studying? Do you have a tasting group? You know, I uh, I have a I have a tasting group um, uh, full of a lot of the other candidates. And I have uh, lots of pupils that are taking the introductory um, and taking the certified. And uh, I cannot have a better day than when someone passes a, um, a test. Uh, the Court of Master Sommeliers is one of the, the greatest things to, to happen to wine service and wine in the United States. And uh, Chef Kirkley and I sat down um, um, about a year ago, and we talked about pursuing the master. And I could do one thing or the other. I could give the restaurant everything I had every waking moment of my professional career, or I could do the same for the test. Um, And because the court deserves the highest respect and the highest honor, I am uh, passionate about taking that uh, test in the future and achieving that pin in the future, and I can't wait, Um, but I couldn't. Uh, fully focus on that exam and give the court the respect I do uh, while giving the respect of the guests uh, that they deserve and the restaurant they deserve. Um, so it's not that I'm putting uh, my wine education uh, or the court on the back burner. It couldn't be the opposite. For the next uh, several years, I'm going to really focus on the, on, on the cuisine. Um, and when my time is ready, um, that I want to take that uh, um, uh, will be able to work um, towards the, the exam, I'm going to be excited for that. 
Well, yeah, we have the, uh, you know, there are three parts to the exam. There's the, the tasting, the service, and, uh, and that theoretical part. And, you know, you can practice the service every night, right, in, in the dining room, as, as I'm sure you do. And you're working on the tasting group. So I, I imagine when, when the time's right and, you, and you're ready to hit the books, uh, you'll, you'll, be, you'll be well prepared. You'll be well on your way. Thank you. I, I mean, I, re- I really do look forward to it. Um, it's uh, um, working. Uh, we owe our guests. 100% of our time um, for, the, for the food, uh, for the chef, for the cooks that cook the food, for the dining room, uh, for the managers, for the staff, um, anything but 100% dedication um, I wouldn't be acceptable. And the uh, court deserves the exact same thing. And as you say, um, you know, uh, service, thankfully I go out there and I hope I execute a really nice dinner service every night. And tasting, it's always a pleasure, uh, but that theory... Um, that is a uh, that is a tough mountain to climb. It's no joke. Uh, w- yeah. You know, yeah. without uh, uh, I think it's a little bit easier to do it um, after a couple decades of service when uh, you have naturally built up that knowledge. Um, but for the uh, the younger candidates um, that are you know in their twenties and thirties, it requires a little bit more time studying, um, which I you know passionately hope to come in uh, the near future for me, but not uh, not too near because we've got a big meal coming up. Right. Well, Richard, uh, I I can't thank you enough for for being on In the Drink. Uh, It is uh, truly a a pleasure and an honor to have someone uh, uh, so uh, accomplished at at a young age, but uh, also, you know, working hard to bring a high level of service every night uh, uh, to L2O Restaurant, Uh, our first first Chicago, uh, our first Chicago wine director, our first Chicago sommelier. So it's exciting to have you. It was an absolute pleasure. I just hope I'm not the last and... uh, uh, the next time you're in town, I, I, I'm excited to show you a couple different, uh, couple different joints. You know, I'll be out there in June, so I'm going to give you a heads up. I'll see if uh, I think that uh, Grimaldi's Pizza travels well, so I'll, I'll, bring, <laughs> I'll bring it over for you. I will meet you at the gate with a uh, four-pound piping hot Giordano's pie. Very excited. <laughs> All <laughs> right. Thank, thanks again, Richard Hanauer, L2O Restaurant, and you're listening to In the Drink on HeritageRadioNetwork.org. Thanks for listening to this program on HeritageRadioNetwork.org. You can find all of our archived programs on our website or as podcasts in the iTunes store by searching Heritage Radio Network. You can like us on Facebook and follow us on Twitter at Heritage underscore Radio. You can email us questions at any time at info at HeritageRadioNetwork.org. Heritage Radio Network is a nonprofit organization. To donate and become a member, visit our website today. Thanks for listening.